Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. What's up, everybody? Your girl Chloe here. Um, this week, I'm excited. Actually, I'm excited every week, let's be honest. But this one's really cool, this conversation. So I'm interviewing an author, Julian Brass, who just put out a book called Own Your Anxiety, 99 Simple Ways to Channel Your Secret Edge. And it's an incredible book, whether you have anxiety or not. I think this is a a book that's for everybody. You know, it's divided into three sections. We've got body, mind, and soul. And it's just filled with 99 simple ways that you can take ownership of your life, feel better about the anxieties you might be feeling. And I love it because it's, I mean, I really love chicken soup for the soul as a kid. So I used to just love like picking up a random page and reading it and taking something away from it. And that's what this is. So when Julian and I sat down to talk. Um, I was actually having a hard time figuring out where we were going to record this podcast. And he was so nice and welcomed me into his home. And we recorded this podcast in his very own meditation space, surrounded by pillows, surrounded with good vibes. And honestly, this chat could have gone on for so much longer. Um, but uh, we had to wrap it up because we both had other things to do. But I, as you will be able to tell, um, a lot of goodness in this conversation with Julian, talking about his book, talking about his story. Um, you know, this book is an 11 year journey for him, a journey that he's still on. And I think there's a lot we can all take away from from Julian's story and from Julian's book. So guys, enjoy this. Um, if you're someone who has anxiety, know you're not alone. Um, if you're someone who doesn't have anxiety, we all have anxious moments. I think there's something to be taken away from this chat. And yeah, just remember that mental health is really important. And I love that we finally are living in a time where we can talk more openly about it and have less stigma surrounding it. Okay. Okay. Enough of me talking. We got to get to me and Julian. Enjoy. You know, usually I record in a meditation studio, but now I'm actually in someone's meditation space. Yes, Ron. Yes, we, you, are. we are on. We are on. You're getting like you're getting cozy. I was about to say excuse me, putting shorts on because <laughs> I'm like it's so hot outside. We well, were, we were both just biking, yeah. which high five, getting our uh, little healthy as hot moment in. Yes. Also, if I'm going to soak up every day that I can bike around the city Insane. instead of like being in transit or in an Uber. Totally. I love me some good biking. Although biking on Bloor Street is terrifying, mm-hmm. even though there's a bike lane. A lot of construction. Yeah, it's uh. It's like there may as well not be a bike lane because. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> if you're a cyclist, be safe out there. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you so much for letting me come into your home. Welcome. Scheduling this was was a little bit difficult with my day, and you were like, "Hey, just come on by." Yeah. And you I was know? like, "Okay, I'm coming." It's like sometimes, like <laughs> like I know, because we're always. I, I feel like personally, I sometimes like over, uh, like complicate things. Yes. In, in this pursuit of perfection, and it's just like no, let's like, just keep it simple. 
and we're in the best space. Like I'm surrounded by such a nice mm-hmm. assortment of pillows. Like we've got hearts, we've got a Canadian maple leaf. I don't need these beautiful little orange balls and then legit meditation yeah. pillows. Yeah. Well, Chloe, you, you, you come home to, <laughs> to, to my home at, at, at a very interesting time where it is literally a work in progress. And I'm, the first thing was this, this nook hat, like my meditation nook needs to be complete. Yeah. So you are literally a part of that completion process and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. You're actually the first person to sit here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like it. I mean, I, I'm sitting on a pillow. We've got essential oils going. We've got hydration. Yes. Is this a space you've come to often? Definitely. Like since like it was just one cushion at one point. Yeah. I would, I would be here. I can, you can see I have my like rad balls there. Like I also like stretch myself out here. Yeah. You know, like work out any any tight muscles, all the traveling. You can get a lot of tight muscles. Uh, I come here a lot. Yeah. Every morning I have a ritual, which is called breath of gratitude. And I come here to do it as well. Can you break down what breath of gratitude looks like? Yeah, totally. So it's there's a few different inspirations yeah. like along the journey that I have like picked up as as a yoga instructor, as a health coach and just a spiritual seeker. Um, one is to start the day off right. And I know that just seems like maybe common knowledge, but, but a lot of people, including my former self forget that if the mind is like a sponge, like we soak up the environment that we're in and often we just don't even notice what we're soaking up. Yeah. Right. And if there's like crazy amounts of science that say that the mind is actually conditioned to be more in survival mode, which is a negative mode. So often the mind will start picking up and thinking negative things uh, like more naturally than it will yeah. like, oh, it's just such a great day. Life is beautiful. No, it's like, oh, I got so many meetings. Why that person say that? Yeah. You know, oh, I, I got bags in my eyes and sleep enough. This new pimple, like, like the mind is picking yeah. up negativity. They say scientifically that that is because when we had to like literally fear for our lives and our existence, like when we, for our ancestors back in the day, they needed to, the mind needed to be worried all the time. And now we still have that trait in our minds, which is really interesting. So therefore, in order for me to show up as my best self, you know, like, and then funny thing about showing up as your best self, you know, one day I had this realization, I'm going to show up no matter what, like I am going to live. Okay. So I've decided I'm not going to take my life. I'm going to live. So not that I really consider taking my yeah. life, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay, I'd like to look at alternatives in life when I like make decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's agreed upon that I'm not going to commit suicide ever. Okay, good. So that being said, I'm going to live. How do I want to live? This is the thought process in my mind. How do I want to live? Um, well, I want to enjoy life. So even if conditioned, or so, so I should say I'm conditioned and subconsciously, I might think about something that's negative. Why not, for the same amount of effort, try to enjoy the moments of the days? So I decided I've got to really treat my morning like a sacred moment. So breath of gratitude, A, gets my breathing in check, okay? So often I will wake up with some type of anxiety mm-hmm. and I just feel it in my like chest and I feel like, oh, there's so much to do or I just, for no reason. I might have nothing to do until noon, but it's like this combination of being like a go-getter uh, and, and uh, having anxiety that I just like, you gotta, you gotta get out of that shower faster. You gotta yeah. get on your yoga mat quickly. Like this is like what happens until I check myself. I yeah. know you're rubbing your face. Oh my gosh, yeah. I know it can be exhausting, but it's also beautiful. My, my and we'll, we'll talk more. I'm, I'm sure about like how anxiety is a beautiful thing. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, the morning breath of gratitude. I'm like really blabbing a lot here. No, it's uh, great. It's great. <laughs> um, so I want to get my breathing in check because 
knowing, you know, I wrote this book on your anxiety and I know a lot about how breath can, can literally like make or shape our nervous system, which then leads to our entire being. So I want to make sure that I get my breath right. So firstly, it's all about nose to belly breathing, which will slow down the nervous system by activating the parasympathetic nervous system. It creates what's known as a relaxation response. So I want to make sure that I can like make my breathing in check for the entire day. So Breath of gratitude. Firstly, the first step would be N- NTB. It's called nose to belly breathing. Yeah. Okay. I love how you're smiling. You're oh like, my god, love it because you're talking about parasympathetic nervous system. Like you're getting like the inner nerd in me so jazzed yeah, up yeah, right, right now. Because you studied this. Yes. This yes, is great. I yes. haven't talked about the parasympathic nervous system in so long. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, today okay. we do. Okay. <laughs> nose to belly breathing. Yes. NTB. The first part of the book is called yeah. breath, and it's like yeah. it's a little like term that I coined while at uh, where was I? I was literally the place you would never expect. I was. At Lollapalooza last summer, okay, the book was like just about finished in terms of the writing. It just came out a couple days ago. Um, and I was like coaching a friend of mine uh, who was like, dude, I have the most like anxiety. I'm always anxious, whatever, whatever. We started talking like nose to belly breathing, man. I explained it. And he's like, all right, all right. So like NTB, yeah? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, we're going to use that. So NTB, <sighs> firstly, first step for breath of gratitude. Second is the power of giving gratitude has been proven by the leaders of positive psychology to literally put us in the highest vibrational state that we can be in. So just by giving gratitude, and there's no like research that says what you have to be grateful for. Yeah. It's not like it needs, to be, it needs to be like profound gratitude. It can be anything. I'm grateful for the lunch I'm going to have. Yeah. Like anything, literally. Or I'm grateful for like the sacred breath that I'm about to I mean, yeah. It can be spiritual, but it could also be basic. Yeah. Um, so with the breath, I correlate one thing that I'm grateful for. And then I draw on ancient Kabbalistic uh, theories in how I do it. And so instead of saying like, I am grateful for, there's a, Kabbal- a Kabbalistic ritual to put something before the I, so before mm-hmm. I, before my ego. So instead of I am grateful, I sort of like came up with this idea of like grateful am I for so I'll inhale in my mind saying grateful am I for at the very top of my inhale. So after about four seconds when my belly is nice and full, yeah. I'll pause for about two moments, two seconds to count and I'll give gratitude for one thing and I'll really visualize it. And then as I exhale through my nose and my belly comes back home, I will allow what I gave gratitude for to come closer and closer and closer to my third eye, so to the space right between the eyebrows, which is the all-knowing intuition that we all possess. Mm -hmm. And the act of visualizing it coming closer and closer, almost like a wave or an echo, what that also does is that it keeps my mind from wandering into all the places that it wants to go first thing in the morning. Yeah. So I'll do this 10 times. It takes about five minutes. It's a form of meditation, but it's a more active meditation. And it... It's it's a life changer. It truly wow. is. Yeah, I share this with a lot of my students and, and and like also friends who like would never ever go to do any type of like wellness or personal development work. I've just shared it with them. I'm talking about like some of the most jockey big dudes too, like who you just never would expect, like athletes as well. Yeah. And literally, like these guys are like six six, like three hundred pounds. When they see me now, they'll like give me the biggest bear hug, and like I'm about five nine, so my head is like in their armpit, <laughs> and and they're just like, dude. That breath of gratitude shit. You don't understand. You fucking saved my life, man. Like, 
I hope I can swear in the podcast. Oh, yeah. I swear in the intro. So okay. you're good. I said, I set the precedent. Okay. Well, no, I love that because also personal development is for everybody. Yes. I don't care who you are, what you're doing. If you think it's like hogwash, check yourself. Try it right out. On. Try it out. Just try it on. Yeah. Try it on for size. I express gratitude every day on my way to work. That's like my movement meditation. Yeah. Um, but I usually do I am. <sighs> and it feels a little bit selfish and I, I've never been able to kind of figure out another way around it. Wow. So now I have another tool. That's so beautiful. Cause I'm like, why am I saying I am? I uh-huh. was like, it feels too, it feels too self-centered. Uh-huh. It feels too much like I'm putting uh-huh. myself first when what I'm trying to do is be grateful for things other than myself. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, I completely get it. It's funny. I have another meditation where it is about I am yeah. and it's more of an affirmation Yeah, and that's to build like strength and power and confidence. Um, but I think with gratitude, it yeah. Should be ex- it should be, yeah. Even if you're grateful for your health, even though it's internal, mm-hmm. I feel like when you're expressing gratitude, you're just trying to like get that energy out into the world and then bring it back yes. like a slingshot. Yes. Um, this is a very important time in your life. Totally. I mean, you got new art, <laughs> you got things in boxes, you got, I don't know how many pillows yeah. and you've also <laughs> got this book. Yes. I mean, you've got a book. I'm looking at it right now. Own your anxiety. 99 simple ways to channel your secret edge. I'm obsessed with, I mean, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, (laughs) but if I go into a bookstore, often my eyes will be drawn to certain font, certain type, certain colors. And this one grabs your attention so quickly. It has such a calming and positive kind of look to it. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. I want to congratulate you on this book. It is, it is a hefty book. I mean, there are tools in here that people can use to make their lives better and also to shift the perspective when it comes to anxiety. Because for too long now, so many mental health issues, including anxiety, have so much stigma surrounding it. And I think that it's finally time that the conversation shifts. Mm -hmm. And I think we have been shifting, but I think a book like this will help it shift even more. Yes. Because rather than looking at it as a negative, you're helping people look at it as a gift. Right. Right. Which is new. I've never heard anyone look at it that way, but uh-huh. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I, it makes me think of um, this book that I'm reading, Empath's Guide to Survival. And uh, like I consider myself an empath. I have a very hard time being around too many people, which mm-hmm. is why like you seeing me today, I'm really drained from but doing We Day I could never and tell. just having too many like too much energy around me. But this book is basically helping me shift my perception of being an empath because for my whole life I've been told, You're too sensitive, you're too sensitive, get thicker skin. But like that's just not how I'm built. Right. And this book is helping me turn that on its head and say, like, this is a beautiful yeah. thing. You feel things more than other people. That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Yes. And with this, you're saying anxiety is not a bad thing either. Yes. You just yes. need the tools in your toolkit. You got it. You got it. You did your homework. I love it. Of course I did my homework. I love it. Of course I did my homework. <laughs> wow. I wow. was a very academically proud student when I was a student back in the day. So I right. love getting into things like this. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. But like Let's how and why did you want to write this book? I mean, this is a beast. And you're also putting yourself out there in a really raw and vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... You bring up a lot of things here, like like a lot of great questions. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I also <laughs> ramble. <laughs> that's okay. So it takes one to know one. Um, that's good. I mean, listen, we're, we're passionate, so we have a lot to share. Um, 2008 comes around. I moved back to Toronto from living in the States for almost three years. And I started up my old business, Notable. Um, I'm 24 years old at the time, and I just had this idea that I really thought would be a thing. 
and I went, uh, you know, I went in. I didn't have the financial backing behind me to like have a long runway without making money. And I didn't have any investors or any partners. I thought because I had all this great experience, firstly in Silicon Valley, um, that like I was going to be able to figure this out and make it happen really quickly. And I was also like, I had been living outside of my like family's house for years. I went to school in Guelph for four years and then I moved to, to South Florida for a year. And then I moved to San Fran and uh, worked in the Valley for two years. So like the idea of moving back home was like, there's no chance. Yeah. And I, I like sort of irresponsibly found an apartment and signed a lease and started up the old business notable from oh, the apartment to be 24. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Where you think you can do everything. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's a beautiful superpower cape type thing that can sometimes get you in trouble. Yes. Completely got me in trouble. But everything that every challenge is part of the yeah. story, right? We, we, we learn, we grow through. We mm-hmm. don't just grow. We, we can go through or we can grow through. I like to think that. So I you get an through. apartment, you start a business. Yes. And I'm like, shit, this is way harder than I thought. So no one's taking the business seriously. There is very little money behind it. And I'm starting to feel like actual life pressures of being like bro- broke, like real broke, not broke. Like, oh, I can't afford to like order the appetizer on the menu broke, but I'll still go to the restaurant. It's like broke, broke. Like I went to get 40 bucks from the ATM and it said negative 36 in red writing. Oh no. A few days before rent. No, no. Um, I just literally went like, okay, survival mode, like canned food, crackers, like just packaged oatmeal, um, craft single slices. That must have been hard after being in the valley. It was. Where Living tech jobs life. are yeah. very lucrative. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I And I had like, like I had hit like the life lottery at a young age to have this like wicked job and get a sponsorship for the visa, mm-hmm. made a million friends, had the best roommate ever who I met on an airplane. Like life was just like giving me all the good things. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm really, really broke. And I was yeah. really scared. And it led to, you know, prior to all this, I started to throw parties in downtown Toronto when I was 14. Okay, so my like network were a lot of the like party people, club owners, like big time promoters, people who became celebrities, um, publicists, event planners. It was like the fast life. Mm -hmm. So now I'm back in Toronto, like near where I grew up. And, you know, all these friends that I made back then are like now like, you know, doing the same shit, but even bigger. And I'm like, I will learn some pretty hardcore work ethic from living in the States and um, in Silicon Valley specifically uh, that I would work like 12, 14 hour days. And then to like blow off steam, I'd give my party friends a call and I knew they'd be up late. Whereas my like non-party friends, like we're going to bed at reasonable hours. And I'm like, yeah, let's go out. Let's like, let's have some fun. Work hard, play hard. That's like what millennial culture has taught us. That was my motto for so many years in my 20s. Me too. Me too. I wrote an article I think for at NBC. At one point, it was a work hard, play harder. Oh wow! Yeah, I heard that too. Sure, sure. I just say it all the time. I wrote this article for NBC recently, and like I talk a lot about this. How it's unbelievable, like how millennial culture can like literally like like to a degree, if that is what people believe, like it can ruin us. It ruined me for a bit. Drugs, booze, no sleep, working my ass off at whatever I was doing. Yeah. 
rinse, repeat. Yeah, you got it. You you can. That is not sustainable. No, no, not at all. And like, you know, your your podcast is all about health. I was like getting sick every like six weeks for like two weeks because I would literally work 12, 14 hour days. I would then go out and I would get rocked until often like six or seven. I saw the sun come up so many times mm. in my mid twenties. And then I would, you know, get into bed at like six or seven and like get up at like eight or nine or 10 and just like triple quadruple espressos, a couple Red Bulls, freezing cold showers. I'd still get to the gym and do crazy adrenaline pumping workouts. Like if I was 45, I would have had a heart attack. 100%. And that was my life for a while. And my anxiety got so bad that... I was petrified of, you know, the future while doubting the shit out of myself and the decisions that I was making in the present, knowing that, you know, that internal like alarm was going off saying, Julian, you're not living life right. You are really like out of alignment. You're hurting yourself. You're abusing yourself. This can't be good for you. I didn't know at the time, like I wasn't smart enough when it came to anxiety. I hadn't yeah. learned that like that actually gives you anxiety. I, I hadn't put that together yet, but I just knew like, this is not like, I wasn't put on this earth to be doing this shit that yeah. much. I knew. And, um, one day I stumbled into a yoga studio and, uh, luckily I had this crush on, on, on a girl and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of chased her to the yoga studio. Uh, first time I was out partying till about five or 6am the night before we were there at nine thirty am Bikram yoga, which is, Oh, four- so it was a hot class you and you're hungover. Yeah. 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 And I'll never forget looking around Ooh. the studio. You know, everyone's like on their map before the practice starts and I'm like, these people look like they're high higher than the people I was just with a few hours ago. What? The, what's, what? And I re- realized in that 90 minute practice. Yeah. The only thing that kept me there was my ego and the hot girl and the hot girl. Like my ego yeah. wanted me to be there for yeah. the hot girl. Yeah. Yeah. And there were literally 89 minutes of like, like agonizing hell, like death by like heat mm-hmm. and weird positions that I couldn't do. And one minute of, of euphoric bliss that all of a sudden I was like, those people that are high, like, oh, wow, they're, they're, that's how they feel naturally. And I'm like, maybe I can find that feeling again. So the ratio was okay. The 89 to one worked <laughs> out for you. Here comes the math person. Yes. It was a good ratio. It worked out. It worked out, Chloe. So at that time, were you aware that what you were feeling was anxiety or you just knew something was off? I definitely knew something was off. And as a kid, I never had anxiety at yeah. all. But like, like I had heard about it and had some family with it. So I started to realize, uh, hey, maybe this is like what people have been like talking about. They've been feeling. And the anxiety would lead to like bouts of depression as well, mm-hmm. where at times I just wouldn't go outside like two, three days at a time. It was a combination of like just just not wanting to put my mask on, you know? And my old business, Notable, was like all about being a notable young professional. Not so much pressure. Yeah. And I'm like, like you know, you have all the self-shame and the this and that going on in your mind. Like, who am I to be the guy, the, the guy when I was out doing this last night? And, you know, like, it, it was a little bit, it was a dark period. Dark period. And, then, and uh, that one minute, though, that one minute that I found in the studio, it reminded me that 
there must be a, a way out that is natural. And it made me realize I've, I've, I've got to be like, like a hunter, like to, to go hunt for that feeling again. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget. I would start saying no to the party friends and I would start saying yes to the self-help section of the bookstore and reading the great books and, you know, slowing life down a bit and trying yoga more and like trying ex- more exercise and like eating a little better and like saying no to drugs and drinking way less alcohol. And I started to like watch myself, like anyone listening, if you could like see my hand, I'm going to, I'm taking it up, 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 up. And then I would like be up here for a bit. Things were great. And then I'd be like, oh man, I'm fine. I don't mm. need any of this. And I wanted the fast life again. So I call up all my friends and then I would, go down 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 and crash yeah and it was like a cycle for a while but exploring within and trying to figure out like what's going on here why what is this cycle like can't can i correlate my habits to actions and feelings and the more i was able to start becoming my own internal detective i was able to start to really see what i put into my mind and my body changes quite literally how my mind and my body feel and how they show up in this world. It's really powerful. How long was that journey? Years. Years. Like, I mean... Because, I mean, now... In a way, hey, I'm still on it. Yeah. Yeah, In a way, so in a way, it's been 11 years. I just, you know, today I know very, very well, like, what actions I do... And how that action will affect me, not just in the moment, but tomorrow and for like the next week. I think that's really powerful to say that 11 years and you're still on the journey. Because I think sometimes we live in a a society where we want immediate instant gratification, instant. Like we do not want to wait. Yeah. Like I hate waiting for the elevator. I know (laughs) it's coming. Like the elevator can only move so fast. And sometimes it'll just piss me right off like we like things quick yes but self-care personal development takes time and it might take the rest of your life and that's cool yeah it's just having that self-awareness and being honest with yourself and being like hey where am i at today let like, me be really honest with you yeah uh so like yesterday i i, w- I literally was flown into manhattan for the day and like i came back i, w- I, f- I arrived at 2 30 and like i was on a i was back at the airport at like six Ooh, yeah. done that before um and I've hardly drank any alcohol uh, for the past few months. Like, like literally, I think I've had a, gl- a glass of wine and a half in the past, like, two and a half months. And I'm not, like, anti-alcohol, by the mm-hmm. way. But with the book coming out, I just really thought that I want to, like, protect the garden, which is my mind, mm-hmm. and only give it, like, the absolute best like, fertilizer and, 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 and nutrition. And really just, just be as sharp as I can be because there's a lot of huge decisions when you're launching a book. And I also wanted to make sure I wanted to guard my immunity and not, not risk getting yeah. sick. So, uh, but, but still, so you would think, okay, two and a half months, like, like your alcoholic can't even be a thing for you. But still, when I got to the, the lounge at the airport, I was thinking to myself like, oh, how nice would a tequila be what right now? And it's almost like we self-sabotage because I knew that what I didn't need was tequila. What I really needed was maybe to like meditate in the lounge for five minutes you know, to really de-stress or to like get a glass of water or two or like an herbal tea, you know, and I am still so on the journey is my point. 
And I want to be on the journey forever. That's the thing, right? Everything about life is perspective and how we choose to give meaning to different things that are happening. Everything is truly just that choice. Nothing innately is like good or bad. It's the meaning in which we choose to give it. Yeah. And if I can always be on this journey, I choose to believe that that is the path of a great life to keep growing until I take my last breath, not to think like, Oh, I figured it all out. Yeah. No, let's never get to that place. I don't want to ever figure it out. Cause let's be honest. You can't. There's too much in life. Got it. So you, you come up with this book. I can't, I can't even imagine how much work it took to get this. And I love how you have it divided because I think people think anxiety if you know what anxiety is and you experience it, we feel for you. But it comes in different shapes, different forms. It has different trigger points. Uh-huh. And there's different ways you can kind of go about handling it. And I really like the way that you have it divided, how it's like some of it is body, some of it is mind. Like, why did you want to go that way? And how easy or hard was it to come up with these 99 <laughs> solutions? <laughs> Great question. So the reason why it's categorized into own your body, own your mind, own your soul. First, let's go there. So... In my spiritual journey and my wellness journey and my mindfulness journey, uh, it started out firstly physical. So I started at first to realize, okay, what I'm putting in my body is affecting how my body feels and then what I put out. So I've got to make some changes physically. And physical changes are the easiest to do. Yeah, it takes some willpower, but it's the easiest to do. It's not asking someone to like literally look at the world and, the, and ourselves differently. That's <laughs> way more complex. And it's not saying like find something, a source that is greater than you and connect to it. That's way more complex. Yeah. But like move every day. Don't put drugs in your body if your body is rejecting them. Like be mindful of caffeine intake. Like that is much easier to grasp. So I wanted to give people a, an opportunity to first start to just become very aware of their physiology, of their body, and how what we put in is going to affect what we get out. So own your body became the natural starting point. Yeah. And as you mentioned, there's 99 tips in the book. So I tried to go pretty much 33 in each section to equal 99. Um, own your body was really fun to write because I, I love movement and I really value my body. And the more I value and love my body, the more I treat it like something that I value and love. So we start with own your body. There's also a belief that, you know, I've learned in my journey and in writing this book, I want to tell you that this is like 11 years of me learning how to own my anxiety coupled into 288 pages and 99 brief tips. Um, I have, traveled the world to learn from some of the most enlightened gurus, both Western medicine gurus who are, you know, all sorts of doctors and nutritionists, nutritionists and healthcare professionals and healers and whatnot, but also people from the Eastern world that are much more into spirituality and, you know, yoga and, um, and, and, and a higher metaphysical connection. And it all comes into this book. And one of my teachers taught me that the body is a gateway to the mind. And as I look in my own life, it truly is. When I'm treating my body like crap, mm-hmm. my mind and going up there, it doesn't, it's like that pathway is polluted. That road is like under construction. I can't get there. <laughs> it's like every road here in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to start with the body. Then moving into own your mind. Yeah. 
own your mind comes next because if the body's a gateway to the mind, once I've worked on my body, I can really start to get in, in there and, and I practice mindfulness. And owning the mind begins with mindfulness because, and by the way, what is mindfulness? It's awareness, it's consciousness, it's thoughtfulness. Mindfulness is a bit of a like kitschy new age word that I think intimidates a lot of people. All it means is thoughtfulness. Yeah. So anxiety begins with thoughtfulness in the sense that, I should say owning anxiety begins with thoughtfulness in the sense that if I'm feeling anxious and I'm not going to stop and be thoughtful about why, i.e. be mindful about why, then there's probably no chance I will do anything to reduce or change or be in a position to own my anxiety unless I'm willing to pop a pill for it. There's probably nothing that I can do. But if I pause and say, why am I anxious in this moment? And what can I do to change that anxiety in this moment? Then I now am in the driver's seat of my anxiety. So I wanted the mindfulness to, A, be the first tip in the mind section, own your mind section, um, and then offer and invite people to start to look at the power of our thoughts in a very, very, very different and elevated way. And so much of my life has become just beautiful when I learned how to own my anxiety because it led to me owning my entire life. You know, when I started to be so respectful of my anxiety, I became respectful of life. And I started to realize like there are just ways to live that really will make me a happier, more grounded person. Are you in some ways grateful? For your anxiety? I give gratitude for it all the time. Do you? Yeah, I know it sounds absurd. I sure do. Well, hearing you talk about it, it can, I can feel it. I feel like it's it was a challenge that you were presented, but a, the end result has been you taking ownership over your life in a completely different way. You got it. Let me give you a very basic example. Yeah. Okay? I love ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Yum! I like where this is going. Yeah. Well, you might, you might change your no, mind in a minute. No. Sorry. We could stop there. <laughs> I love ice cream. Great. So I love ice cream. And uh, when I like take that first bite, I often don't want to stop. Okay. Like I'm like, it's not like, oh, a small is going to cut it. I want to like keep going. You're like a tub. You're a tub y of ice Yeah, cream. I could happily eat the tub. If I eat a lot of the ice cream, in the moment I'll feel great and I'm fine. Let's say I can... I can forgive myself for all, for all the calories and the fat, okay? <laughs> I'm fine. The next day, though, I will have more anxiety. And that's not going to be anxiety stemming from like, oh, I'm shameful about what I ate. The, 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 the processed sugar and all the different chemicals that are in that ice cream will actually make me feel more anxious the next day. Just like alcohol and hangover would, for yeah. example. Like the Sunday scaries. Like, those are real. Yeah, those are real. Yeah. Because... We are really putting shit in your body that your body's rejecting. And by the way, everyone listening, I've probably done it more than all of you, so <laughs> I'm not talking down to you, but I am <laughs> being real. That is... It's coming from a place of experience, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm very experienced in the subject matter. So the example that I'm trying to share is if my body is rejecting these things and therefore sh it's showing up as anxiety, and now that little thing that would have felt like no problem to do today is giving me anxiety. Or that conversation with someone that like normally I'd be like, yeah, let's talk is now like, oh my God, I, I just can't have this conversation right now. 
listening to my anxiety, which then will tell me next time I'm going to go for that tub of ice cream or for that 10th shot of tequila at the bar, if I can tap in and remember, hey, your anxiety was talking to you, Julian, telling you it doesn't want this stuff. Your body, your anxiety is like your body's messenger. The anxiety was telling me. So, oh, maybe I should listen. So when I listen and then I feel amazing on Sunday morning, Oh, I love waking up on Sunday and feeling good. So good. I love it so much. Me too. The city's quiet. Oh, yeah. It's peaceful. Oh, it's amazing. And then you're right. I give gratitude for my anxiety. Wow. And then just to to finish the the previous thought, the last section is own your mind. I mean, sorry, own your soul. Own your body, own your mind, own your soul. And that's because I truly, truly believe, and I've seen this with myself, and I've seen this with the people that I work with. Like I do a lot of like one-to-one coaching and workshops and seminars and keynotes. People that have the chance to, to, you know, really go deep with when we can get the body in check and then get the mind in check, that then opens the conversation around the soul. Can we find spirituality? Can we find connection? Connection can be with community and it can also be with a source that we'll never see. It can be something much greater, mm-hmm. right? That's up, up somewhere. Energy, connection, the universe, God, depending on what one's vernacular is, is all good. Yeah. It's the idea there's something bigger we can connect to. And I love that you offer up community as one of those types of connections because I feel like community is a gateway to something bigger because people yeah. can tangibly know what it feels like to be connected to your community. Yes. Okay, so a lot of tips, three different categories. Yeah. I feel like I'm asking you to pick your favorite child, but <laughs> can you give me a tip you love in each category? So a tip, like let's say someone is feeling a little anxious or they're not quite sure you know, what to do right now. Tip for their body, tip for their mind, tip for their soul. Okay. You're right, Chloe. This is hard for me to do because there's a lot that I want to share. <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day. I know. Okay. So let's do this. So in the body, I've already taught everyone how to breathe and give gratitude at the beginning of your podcast. Yeah. So I'm not going to, yeah, you got it. And breath of gratitude. So I'm not going to go there. I want to go into smiling when you don't feel like smiling. There is a tremendous amount of research out there that says that when we smile, we actually activate the stress response. So we let out dopamine and endorphins in the mind that will also create the, the activation of the stress response, which, sorry, the, the activation that lowers the stress response, which then literally will mean that in the mind, there is a positive chemical reaction happening that will reduce stress and reduce anxiety. Wow. So smiling, you don't feel like smiling. And I also love that because when you smile, if you walk around smiling, I don't care how anxious you are. If you start doing it, A, you're going to feel happier. You're going to have that positive chemical reaction go on, but you're also going to probably get someone else to smile. And when that happens, you feel the love. You actually smile. Yeah. You feel the love. I love doing it when I go for runs and I feel like people in Toronto, they run and they're like, they're so serious. (laughs) They're like so in their head. And then I love throwing out a peace sign and I smile and like, hey, like I'm listening to music. So we don't actually talk. And like sometimes no one notices. Sometimes they look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) And then sometimes those lucky times they'll actually kind of smile. And I swear it gives me like a little extra pep in my step for a bit, which is amazing. I feel it. it. But like most of the time I'm like, "Ah, I'm like struggling through this. I'm going to smile maybe like 
it's a little bit selfish. I'm like, maybe I'll give them one. Maybe they'll give me one back and it'll feel really good. But yeah. it feels good to smile at people and have them smile you back. It does. It feels so good. And I have on the back of my car, a, a, a sticker that says peace. And like, I really believe even something so, so simple like that. Like, like these, these symbols are, are creating more happiness and love and joy. Yeah. So the smile does that too. Great. So smile people, even if you're feeling sad. Yeah. Okay. What about for the mind? Okay. For the mind. I want to go a little deeper into mindfulness. Okay. I think people can get a lot of value out of this. Okay. So when we train a dog or train a puppy, often you'll see that people have like that little clicker, mm -hmm. right? To like make that sound. The dog associates something really positive with that sound. Like they get a treat for going outside. They get a treat for sitting. Yeah. It's a cue. This book is about inviting people to look at anxiety as a cue. So that feeling, which is giving us, I mean, thank, thank you, body. Thank you, creator. Thank you, mother nature. You have not just given us anxiety. You've given ailments to anxiety so we can know when we're anxious. Yeah. Whether it's dry mouth or racing heartbeat or upset stomach or sweating or, you check, know. Check, 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 check. check. <laughs> Clammy hands. Yep. You name it. All these different things are happening. And cueing in when these things are happening to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm anxious. Got it. And then taking a moment and saying, why am I anxious? And now what am I going to do about my anxiety based on the environment that I'm in? That is a game changer. And I always invite people to look at this moment when they – anxiety, cue – it's like a buffer. Okay, so anxiety, now mindfulness. Yeah. Anxiety, remember like that dog, little puppy outside, little cute Fido. Yeah, so cute, right? So the anxiety happens, stop, cue. Okay, now I'm going to go into mindfulness and ask, where is it coming from and what can I do about it, right? Now it's a, it's a fun analogy. Imagine that you are the painter. You're an artist and you've got this beautiful toolkit uh, or paint kit, whatever you call it. I'm not really a painter, as you can see. <laughs> but I appreciate art enough to understand yeah. that, the, that the painters wear that belt with yes. all their different colors. Yeah. Now imagine each color represents something that you can do, an own-your-anxiety tool, an own-your-anxiety brush. And now imagine a blank canvas. The blank canvas is you. Take out the appropriate paintbrush, which is a tool, and start to paint a beautiful picture and that beautiful picture is you owning your anxiety oh so beautiful and easy to understand it's got to be easy you yeah get to pick the color you get to pick the color you got it yeah wow yeah whoa i like that one okay and soul a quick one for soul yeah um soul i, be, I feel like is the trickiest one it's mm, probably the hardest i mean there's so many good oh, yeah. ones in soul yeah uh one that comes to mind that I think people will get a lot out of is defining your values. Okay. Okay. And there's so many, I mean, honestly, this stuff is powerful. There's so much here, but let's talk about defining your values. So define your values is key because anxiety generally shows up either as a purely physiological, um, reaction to something that you're putting in your body or you're not putting in your body, which we've spoken a lot about, mm -hmm. you know, it could be, we've spoken about the different things or it shows up in lack of alignment within, okay? 
And lack of alignment is huge. Alignment, what do I mean? It means that the person that I am showing up as in the world is not who I really want to show up as. And when I first got anxiety very badly 11 years ago, I had a ton of both. But the lack of alignment was I don't want to be doing this shit to my body. I don't want to be out late. I don't want to be having these pretentious fake conversations with people I don't actually Mm. like. I don't, I want meaning, but I wasn't listening and honoring that. Right. A lot of people will feel that lack of alignment when it comes to being in a relationship they don't want to be in and they know they shouldn't be. It could be toxic, a job or a career they don't want to be in, um, a life they don't want to be living, you know? Yeah. So defining your values is key. And not a lot of people talk about defining your values. Like it's not like, you know, you graduate a degree in, in I understand my values. No, you generally graduate in, in, a, in a specification that is going to make you good for a career of some sort. But what about the internal work that needs to be done to understand what do I actually care about? What do I actually value? Not what does society tell me I should value or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my husband or my wife or my kid or my parents or whatever, society. What do I value? We walk around often feeling less than or jealous or envious of that latest Instagram post from the influencer or our best friend. But we don't take time to ask, do I actually want to be on that yacht for real? And all that comes with that lifestyle, right? Or do I actually want to be like traveling every week? Or do I actually want the kids? Do I actually want the, the, the partner in my life right now? All these different things. Do I actually want that job? We, so ask yourself the tough questions. You like actually ask yourself. You got to get real with yourself. Ooh, the work, the I, grind. It's work, it's work. I, I suggest a pen and paper, turning the cell phone off, go on, do not disturb baby and go deep and really write down. These are the things I value and start to jot down the key things. Like most people are going to have something that looks like career, purpose, relationship, health, family, community, charity, travel, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone's different. That's what's beautiful. It's like individual work. But we need to put it all down in front of us. And when we put it in front of us, then we have a chance to find the alignment that we all deep down crave. I want that alignment. I'm ready to do the homework. Okay, well, I'm well, lucky. I've got the book. You've got the book. You're good I've to got go. the book. I'm ready to own my anxiety. And I feel like for people that even are not anxious, there's so much goodness in this book. Well, that's it. You know what I mean? Like this book is truly for everybody. I really believe that too. A good friend of mine read it and he's like as real as it gets with yeah. me. He's like... I wish you didn't even call it on your anxiety because it's like, it's really just about owning your life and making it better. And that's the thing. This book, yes, it combines all 99 tools to help, you know, shift your relationship Mm -hmm. with anxiety, but it is based on the journey of a go-getter who will never accept how life hands them what life hands them. Mm -hmm. And that's me. And I've always said I can create and design my life like Picasso designs a, fo- a picture. I can create my life. So imagine that same like type A entrepreneur mentality being so steadfast on I need to uncover the tools to live a greater, better, elevated life. And that's what this book is. It's that, it's that yearning to not settle for second best. Not with like me or my material items. No, I'm cool with second or third best. Yeah. I don't care about that. Yeah. I'm talking about I will not settle for second best with learning how to actually elevate my life. Let's to- elevate. Let's elevate. Okay, guys, own your anxiety. 
It's beautiful. You you won't miss it in the bookstore. It's real pretty. <laughs> thank you. I'm so like thank you so much. Thank also, you. I'm very comfortable in these meditation. Well, you pillows. can come by any time, even with your cute pizza socks. I know. I really love pizza, They're but I try so not to cute. eat it, so I just wear them on my socks. <laughs> oh, it's like giving you a bite without the bite. Right? That's I really, love happy really socks. Cute. Um, congrats on the book. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming by. And just like that, another episode of the Healthiest Hot Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. A huge thanks to Home, this really cool modern meditation space in Toronto, for hosting us and making us feel right at home today. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out on experience FOMO. Rate and leave us a comment, and also follow us on Instagram at Healthiest Hot. But most of all, remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. We'll see you next week.